Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss a variety of stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode number 11 on Wednesday, the 6th of November. I'm your host and my Matter co-founder, Nigel. Hi, I'm Tazzy and I'm your co-host and I'm also a streamer. Hello, I'm Gina and I'm the show's producer and I'm also a freelance artist and social media freelancer. Freelancer person. Yeah. yeah. All I kind of title for that. Yeah. Uh, next time. Um, and we have two guests with us. Um, my matter, I guess you are still my matter co founder, Lau. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just so I got that clear. Um, so we've got Lau and uh, definitely founder um, of Melanin Gamers, Annabelle. Hello. Hello. Cool. All right. Thanks for joining us. Um, so, as usual, we're going to uh, have a good discussion about film or story. Uh, this time we've got Joker. But before we get to that, we're going to discuss what's been happening in the My Matter universe. Cool. So, today was the first day back for me um, after going to the Moto Comic Con. So, I spent um what were we like five days Friday said yeah about five days in Malta for their convention and it was generally great because like sun in um in November is just an amazing thing I don't know if anyone's experienced that but <clears throat> yeah uh, that's just fantastic so yeah I left for or left on Friday um and had two days of the convention on Saturday and Sunday uh, and the great thing about the Moto Comic Con is it's their so it's like their big convention in the country, and the organisers kind of pull in different people, exhibitors, artists, writers, um, that kind of thing from different parts of of Europe. So it's like just I, I spoke to people from uh, from Greece, from Cyprus, from Italy, uh, and you just get like a cool community of people, and they they kind of like treat you as a guest um so you know go and they pick you up at the airport they transport you from the uh from the hotel to the convention uh on each day and there's like coaches and everyone's piling on the coach and then they take you for a tour of motor or they just take you about like an area of motor uh on the monday so after the convention is done uh, and it's kind of like um i don't know if you guys remember like going on school trips but as an adult and with other, <laughs> uh, other exhibitors, that's kind of what it was like. That so, is like unheard of for a UK convention. That is so different. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, I've, I think like the nicest convention I've been to in the UK is Thought Bubble. Um, oh, but something like MCM Comic Con, they just, once they've got your money, that is it. You are on your own. <laughs> Imagine so, MCM like, yeah, we're going to take you on a tour. Like, I, <laughs> I actually can't. Um, yeah, yeah, no, that's not even happening. Like, <laughs> can't even imagine that. So, yeah, it's just nice to like get away, um, talk to people in a different country about what we do, uh, and then yeah, just like be treated as a guest. So, um, and you get to like hang out with people sort of outside of the convention as well because everyone's in the same hotel. Um, so yeah, it was really good way. Uh, it wasn't the last convention. The last convention of the year is coming up this weekend, which is Thought Bubble. So 
um, I've kind of brought all my suitcases. Um, I've unpacked. I'm not going to have to repack um, everything and then drive up to Harrogate, which is kind of near Leeds, for uh, the Thought Bubble convention. Um, so looking forward to that as well, although not looking forward to it being like 20 degrees colder than <laughs> experiencing yeah. the Uh, So, yeah, if anyone's listening to this and is going to Thought Bubble, uh, you can find me in, hmm, actually, I I can't remember where I am, um, but if you follow us on social media, we'll have all that information up once I find out what it is. Um, So, outside of the conventions, we've also, uh, as you'll know, if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, working on our next manga, Hot Lunch Volume 1. So we launched a Kickstarter for this early in the year. Uh, thankfully, f- thankfully, it was successful. And we've been working through the pages of what will be a 140-page odd in total um, manga. So we've been having a few delays, but we're kind of on track and we're getting through pages, making edits, and we will have a release date shortly. It will be sometime in December. Um, but before then, we're going to put together a preview of the, the new comics or the new content for Kickstarter backers. And then we're also going to put something out on our email list. So if you want to see what the new comic is looking like, um, well, I guess you've missed the Kickstarter, but you can still sign up to our mailing list. And at some point next week, we're going to have um, a, a few pages of the new comic that you can check out uh, and of course you can preview uh, pre-order um, the new comic on our um, online shop uh, so one note to mention is that we were planning to have a launch event book signing um, event at orbital comics and uh, unfortunately i've just been informed like earlier today i saw uh, an email saying that the event has had to be cancelled on behalf of Orbital uh, because they're going through some some kind of restructuring. We're not sure. We're trying to work out. There's a an article on Bleeding Call which tries to explain what's been happening. Uh, I still can't figure it out. Um, between us, we haven't been able to figure it out. But yeah, unfortunately, it means whatever it is means that uh, we can't have the event at Orbital, so we're going to be looking for an alternative. So if you just stay tuned to our social media or email once we figure out what's going on and what we can do as an uh, alternate, alternative option, we will let you all know. Uh, so in terms of other events, uh, we do have uh, our next gamepad. Well, actually, our first gamepad of 2020 is going to be in January at the Trampery in Old Street. Tickets are available now, but we've also got a, I'm not sure exactly what to call this, but we've got, um, we're going to be running a gaming event for another organization who are the French Institute in South Kensington. And that's looking like December the 14th. So there's going to be plenty of opportunities to basically come and play games is what that means. So yeah, please check out gamepad.events um, and you will be able to find out about the next gamepad as well as this other gamepad, which we're still working on a name for. Um, but yeah, you can check that out too. And last but not least, we've had a breakthrough in our 
snapback hat technology um so for a number of years at least two years people have been asking us uh do we do snapback hats in black uh the answer has for the most part been no um and then it turned to a maybe uh, and now it's a yes in time so we've just put in an order for black snapback hats which you'll be able to pre-order at some point on our website mymatter.com forward slash shop and they will be available at the first gamepad of 2020 so stay tuned for that as well uh, and that in a nutshell is what's happening with my matter so let's get on to what everything everything everyone has been watching and reading um starting with lao what have you been watching or reading recently Ooh, so at the moment, I have been reading The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis, which is an oldie but a goodie. I basically bought the book, like, I don't know, over a decade ago, and then read maybe the first book and the Narnia, like, Narnia? The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, because the film came out at the time. Um, and then I just didn't read anything else. Uh, so I just thought, you know what, I'd like to go back to it, because I've just been reading a lot of um, other types of books, like books on entrepreneurship and psychology or, or something like this. And I was like, you know what, I'd actually like some fiction. So I've been going through that and it's been really, really good. And I'm wondering why they haven't made films of all of the books, because I really think that it's got so much and like it does a really good job of world building. Um, they have great characters. It's funny. Um, but for whatever reason, I guess Disney decided to sit on the IP after they did three of them. Um, but hopefully they come back to it. So, yeah, um, that's about it, really. Um, other than that, I, ha I haven't. Can I talk about what I've been playing? Yeah, I haven't actually definitely. been playing anything because I don't have a console. <laughs> uh, but what I have been doing, like what I did that, uh, what I have been doing is I have been following the Stadia launch because... Um, for those who have listened to previous podcasts, you, you may remember that, you know, I've been looking for something to get me back into gaming. Um, it needs to be compelling enough. And I thought that the Google Stadia was basically going to be like a true Netflix of gaming, sort of, you know, pay it one price every month and you can play all the games you want. And then I found out that's not the case. Um, but I, somehow I've been bitten by the bug and I'm now just interested in the stadia and how it's gonna all pan out um but yeah that's about it really on my side uh but can really i just say yeah, yeah go on it just doesn't sound like disney at all to sit on ip like that seems mad but anyway <laughs> it's, yeah it's funny it's funny you say that i think what they'll do is most likely they will wait until i don't know maybe another generation has kind of grown up to like teens since the last film and then they'll probably do another one, another like series of them. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's more timing for them. Interesting. It's funny what you say about Stadia as well, because um, I have an Xbox Game Pass and that is literally one price for loads of games. But then if you don't have an Xbox or a PC to play on, then it's kind of yeah. not useful. Yeah, this is the thing. It's like... There's a number of reasons why I'm kind of scratching my head at Google at the moment. 
Um, but I mean, one good thing is that for someone like me, who's basically coming in with no console, I can basic I can basically be up and running for like a hundred and twenty quid, good to go. Like, and I can start playing games straight away, which I guess is a good thing. Um, and I've heard a lot about this latency stuff, um, where you know you may see some issues on certain games. But I, I'm an RPG gamer anyway, so. If anything, I'm probably going to be getting Red Dead, Red Dead Redemption. Is it Red Dead mm-hmm. Redemption? That's how yeah. long I've been away from games. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Red Dead Redemption Two. So uh, that that would be probably uh, that would be the game I'd probably get anyway. So that wouldn't necessarily need like super super like fast reflexes. At least I don't think so. Um, um, no. You do. There's some. Of... There's some quick shooting in there. There's some some quick drawing. I can oh really? Tell. Yeah, yeah, you might need to and brush also, up on those. You kind of get like attacked while you're just riding your horse around the country. You'll get attacked by yeah. some, like you get attacked uh, bandits. All the time. Yeah, yeah. It's dangerous. The wild, <laughs> wild west. Dangerous dead. place. <laughs> dangerous place indeed. <laughs> okay. Well noted on that. I mean, from what I've been told, you don't need a very fast connection. So like, it doesn't need to be like a hundred or anything. Like I think you can do okay on a thirty meg. And, and like between 20 and 30 you should be okay um we'll have to, we'll have to check in on you um, yeah when you get it because it sounds well, like you're pre-sold <laughs> well the thing is i'm really on the fence it's like one of those people that are just staring into the shop window <laughs> as if you're <laughs> gonna buy something um you know you every day you walk past it and you're like hmm <laughs> sort of thing and that, that's know, where i'm at you know shop owners hate hate you they want me to just come in and buy it but yeah i'll I'll keep you guys posted i'll let you know but that's the only way they're going to get me in i I just need something so frictionless so easy to jump in and jump out because like i'm I'm pretty fickle right now so i need i need that i get you um okay then so annabelle uh what have you been reading watching or playing I've been reading um, Queenie um, and Origin, which is the fourth, the fifth Robert Langdon book, Dan Brown. And um, I've also been reading, I can't remember the name of this book. What's it called? I've got it in my hand. The Thief as well. So three different books. And I've been watching the Terminator films because of the new one, Dark Fate, is out. So I started from the beginning. I have the box set on Blu-ray because I love the Terminator films. And so just re- re-watching them in preparation of Dark Fate, which I hope to see on Friday. So yeah, it's been really good. Oh, and I have been watching his Dark Materials as well, the 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 show, because they did The Golden Compass. That was a film a few years ago, which, I don't know, didn't do that well, but some people liked it. I didn't mind it, um, but the, I feel like the show can maybe explore more of the book. We'll see how it goes. So far, so good for the first episode. Um, you know, his Dark Materials was kind of like a childhood book for me, so I'm really curious as to see. And I like the first one out of all of them. The third one I thought was on questionable ground, but the first one was good. So we'll see. I have nice. a question for you. Uh-huh. Terminator Genesis. What did you make of that film? I have it on Blu-ray. That's... <laughs> I mean, I mean, is that it? Like, that's your review. Like, that's kind of what, how, how much I feel about it. I mean, I saw it twice in the cinema. If that also helps you, um, I thought I loved the the whole idea for Terminator. For me, is ingenious. 
the first film, the the villain is Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's the robot. The second film, they make him the hero of the story. It's insane how what a plot twist that is. As a writer, I absolutely love the idea of changing the villain into the hero for the second one. And so I thought the idea of Genesis, John Connor, who has been like the shining beacon of hope, every single time they're harping on about save John Connor, John Connor is going to save us all. He becomes the villain. And it's just like, oh my God, this is ingenious. Like, And the way they did it, it was just so good. And it was just perfect. And I thought it was flawless and kudos to them. I saw it twice in cinema, so I mean, I should tell you how much I love those films. I thought it was a really cool idea. I thought um, Salvation was on shaky ground for me. I still got the DVD, don't get me wrong, but um, I thought, um, I don't know. Uh, I have a soft spot for Christian Bale, so that, you know, that's probably why I like that film more than I should. Um, but um, I thought Genesis was like, we were back on, on track again. And that's actually why Dark Fate came out, because it was just like Genesis. I know some people are like, um, I know the critics were like, Genesis, what is this? And blah, blah, blah. And some people liked, some people didn't. But to me, it was the right idea, like twisting the whole story back on itself. John Connor, the hero, and now he's the villain. And the machines are actually helping us. And it's just really clever. Arnie was older. And yeah. I thought it was amazing. They your, just changed Judgment Day. Your passion for the time of <laughs> films makes me want to go and also uh, binge the whole, <laughs> I whole collection. I the whole thing, so I'm very much like my, I guess my memories of these films when I first saw it and I thought, oh my God, machines are going to take over. Like I saw it when I was really young, the first one, and I was like, it scared me and I loved it. You know, when something, sca- when something has the ability to actually scare me, I'm just like intrigued which is like, I don't know what that says about me, but there's that. I just yeah. encourage everyone to go and watch it. <laughs> Great. My full-on memory of like Terminator films is lots of explosions and robots. So, <laughs> yep. me I mean, that sold it for me, but I don't have like much story. I don't, I can't remember the storyline for any of them other than boom, boom, <laughs> boom. <laughs> there's a lot of that. Um, but so a very good. I mean, it's um James Cameron, who I think is a visionary. As he's one of my, as a director, I follow his films. Like it's James Cameron. I don't even need to know what the film is about. I trust him. I'm in good hands here. So there are directors where I'm just like, I will watch whatever they put out, kind of things. And he's one of them for me. So he is on this one on Dark Fate. He's not the director, but he's um I think he's executive producer. So I was like, okay, he's got the James, and we've got Linda Hamilton back as well. Uh, so I was like, okay, I'm in there. So I thought, you know, he's he's really good, basically. <laughs> I'm very passionate. So. <laughs> <laughs> Not just films I'm trying to say, it's also a very good storyline. It's phenomenal story writing and directing and acting, and it all comes together seamlessly. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> um, Gina, what about you? I'm excited. <laughs> So I, I never read, like ever. Um and I've actually been reading. I'm lying, it's an audio book. I'm that lazy. Um I can't <laughs> oh, read an audio book. Oh my gosh. <laughs> audio books all the way. I'm sorry. Can I just say that, no that does still ever. count, however, that is quite a problem. Well actually we um, to believe paper. No, I pre ordered the actual hard copy of the book and Amazon emailed me yesterday morning like we're not delivering it. We're delivering it on the twentieth of November. I was like, I'm not waiting until the twentieth of November. So I just bought the audio book. Um, which is fine because it means I can listen to it and not actually have to look at anything, which is great. 
Um, but anyway, the book in question is um, it's the new Raven Cycle trilogy by Maggie. I want to say Steve Steve Forter. I think that's her last name. And the Raven Cycle was a trilogy that came out. It was it's quite it's not ancient, but it was quite a while ago. And it was it's about these like kids who like one of them's from a family of psychics, and they kind of get mixed up in this whole like it's a magic book basically. But it's cool because it's not. Like, they're just, you know, teenagers in a school at the same time. Um, and the new one, it's called Call Down the Hawk. And it's from a new series, well, a new trilogy called the Dreamer Trilogy. And it's all about Ronan, who is my favorite character. So I am, I've, I literally, I read it, well, listened to it in bed last night. So I only got to like chapter three. But just even hearing Ronan, I was like, oh, yes, I'm back. Like, back with my fave. So... I'm like really looking forward to seeing how that turns out because I have no idea what's going to happen in this one. I didn't want to spoil it because I knew instantly, like literally within a few hours, someone had written a review on the book and I was like, it's literally come out today. Like what, who are these people? Um, But yeah, I'm looking forward to carrying that on. And I've also started season four of My Hero Academia, which is on hiatus already, which it's only had three episodes and they've already put on hiatus, but I think it's supposed to be back this this weekend, so I'll see. But um, I was, like, really super into My Hero Academia last year. And I didn't go off it, but I kind of slowed down on it. And then I was looking at, like, all these like bits of merchandise I bought at Comic-Con last year, like, great there's all my money but when I started season four I it reminded me of like why I loved it so much like why I love my hero academia it's just it was so nice to see all the characters again it's gonna be a good season I can tell so if you haven't started it like I would recommend it it's got a slow start but it's definitely gonna pick up like I'm pretty sure this weekend if it's back on it's gonna pick up straight away so it's definitely worth watching I love that you made us all believe that you were physically reading a book yeah. <laughs> before we started this podcast. I had that mental image in my mind of like Gina deep inside a book, maybe with some glasses on by candlelight. All lies. Candlelight, I'm done. No, do you know what? Because my sister made me read the first series and it took me like a year to read the first book because I just wasn't invested and I'm like so slow at reading. And I was like, I can't. I, I ended up like having an audiobook of the third one in the end because I was like, I just can't. It's going to take me like five years to finish this series. And they're not even that long. They're like 500 pages each. So I was like, if it's going to take me this long to read one, I'm just going to have to whack out the audiobook. <laughs> if it means you're, you're actually being able to like <laughs> absorb that storytelling, then it doesn't really matter how you... I suppose. It's still the same words, so... Yeah, and the the guy who narrates it does accents, which is fun. So, I love a good audiobook with <laughs> accents. Yeah, he sounds really sad when he reads the chapters, though. He's like, chapter three. I'm like, are you are you upset? He's know. upset that every time a chapter begins, we're close to the end of the book. <laughs> Maybe that is the case, but yeah, he sounds really sad to be reading the next chapter. <laughs> um. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying listen reading. Yeah. To, <laughs> to a book. 
Um, so I don't actually have anything that I'm watching. I know it's been a few episodes that I've not really been watching any, anything. Um, but I did finish the Blair Witch game. I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast before. But I was playing it over Halloween month. Um, yes, Halloween has a whole month. I'm, I'm there for it. Yes, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, so I was playing Blair Witch for that month horror people were saying it's not scary i scared the heebie-jeebies out of me every i was streaming it so every stream there was a clear (laughs) scream from me that sounded like it was recorded for a horror movie um but it's a really interesting game that i do not advise you play if you are a under the age of 18 or b triggered by like mental health issues because you the game like mate you have panic attacks in it your character has panic attacks and it's first person and it is horrible like I'm so sorry if you suffer from panic attacks because if they're anything like how they made me feel in the game wow that is an experience and I was literally there like hyperventilating from what this game (laughs) had made me experience and then um but he also suffers from uh, post-traumatic stress and uh, the character has, he was a soldier and then a police officer and then now he's like trying to help them find a kid in the woods and he's worked on a previous case and then it gets really confusing. I don't know if he was someone that had something affected by the woods and the Blair Witch previously when he was a child then forgot about it with some repressed memories but it's very complicated and you basically don't realize that you have choices in this game until the end and it's like here's what all your choices amounted to and you're like wait they were choices (laughs) um it basically tries to force you to be a straight-up murderer and (laughs) I didn't like it I managed my dog managed to live there is a point where you're asked to kill your doggy, and I, I point blank refused. I was like, no, no. I was like, I'm not playing this game if this dog is removed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I refuse. Um, but it was a really emotional journey playing that game. And anyone that says it's not scary, you're very brave. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's all the stories that I've uh, had <laughs> recently. Uh, Nigel, what about you? Uh, so I want to talk about stuff I'm uh, I'm reading, watching. Uh, but first, I need to just let people know that I got a new computer. Um, there's there's no real you know proper place to put this in the lineup, so I'm just going to put it here. Uh, I got a new computer, and it's amazing. Um, my old computer was at least like six, seven years old. Um, had lots of issues. Won't go into it now. But I've now been brought into what I'm considering the future. Uh, of computing because I didn't know it was like I didn't know you can click something and get an instant response from programs um it's, it's just just fantastic so nothing to do with storytelling just feel that uh, everyone listening uh, needs to know um in terms of why I am actually enjoying story-wise uh, so I like to be somewhat prepared uh, for these uh, for these things so I thought I'd go back and I read the killing joke for a second time um, by um, names blanking Alan Moore, uh, written by Alan Moore, and I guess it's like the 
I don't know if it's like the definitive Joker origin story, but uh, I guess it's kind of up there. Um, so I'm going to talk a bit more, like reference it a bit more when we get into the discussion. But uh, it's just like a really, I guess, good, what's the word? Kind of a good reflection on sort of Joker, like where he's come from, how he got to be um, the Joker, at least that version of the Joker uh, that he is. And I like the the concept around he's had a, a really bad day and for him, everyone is one bad day away from being in his position. Uh, and I like the take on it in the story. Uh, I also, and this is so specific to me, but in terms of the way the comic is laid out and the the transitions from sort of page to page. So the story kind of charts the the current day uh, Joker as he is and his sort of scheme to uh, turn um, uh, turn Commissioner Gordon uh, mad and show Batman that everyone is one bad day away from, you know, just like flipping out. Um, but it also goes in flashback mode and shows the Joker before he became the Joker uh, and how he kind of descended just, you know, sort of bad incident of a, on top of bad incident sort of pushed him into where he is now and the way the comic is laid out in terms of like how it will transition from one panel to the other um so for example you'll have like uh, a moment where a flashback will show joker uh, having you know just like it all being too much and he's like grabbing his head and in that panel will kind of transition into um gordon having you know being uh held by the joker having the same sort of position um and i just like the way that it it just takes that kind of same position and, and transitions you from present to the future so since reading that i've been slightly obsessed with the way uh when i'm doing sort of my matter comics the way you kind of transition from panel to panel from page to page um so yeah anyway um so apart from the killing joke i've also started watching gotham which i've been told by several people to start watching basically so i'm keeping it within the dc uh dc family mm-hmm. um, gotham and... is excellent yeah i really I, so i've watched uh i've only i've literally just started so i've seen like four or five episodes uh and i i like it it's i wasn't sure what to expect because when it when it first came came up and i saw it i was kind of like there's no batman in it so how good it can be i don't know it's not the best argument to uh, to not watch something but um i kind of like it's taking you yeah just as it's taking you into gotham and then let you experience like what's happening with all the different characters and and storylines um and i imagine as it goes through the seasons then it will kind of give you that proper background into who the characters are and how they got to where they are as we know them today kind of like the killing joke does in terms of like taking you like back to how the joker became how he is now um so yeah so i'm really enjoying that um i can't i'm trying to think i can't really say too much about it because i just started it but i will kind of as i get through it more i'll um i'll update we we would definitely want to hear more about how you're enjoying that because i really love gotham yeah Um, I have to watch it in very small chunks because it's very dark and I don't take dark very easily, <laughs> but it's just so good. <laughs> it, it is dark. 
it, it is dark. I do like how um, sort of Jim Gordon is the sort of the one honest police officer in this whole city. And <laughs> you can really feel from the beginning how it's, he's up against the not just the system, but just just general apathy that anything can get better in in Gotham. You can kind of see him straining against um, like his his partner, um, the other sort of like uh, other characters in there, and just like trying to be this good person in in a city that just doesn't allow good people to survive uh, and then the other thing i started watching so i'm like way i'm so behind on on everything but uh i just started watching um full metal alchemist uh, brotherhood like two weeks ago or something like that so um yeah another thing i should have been watching uh, ages ago however another thing that i am uh, I'm enjoying. So again, still quite early, but yeah, just liking that. So I'll, I'll, I'll update, like I'll keep people updated on kind of how that goes when I can actually say more, when I've seen more uh, on those things. I have to say, I'm really looking forward to you uh, with both of those shows, like coming up to speed <laughs> and seeing how you uh, react to them later on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, um, it might take me a while. Um, I'm, I'm not the best binger, but I will get through and I will uh, update and I'll give you like all the all my reactions. Um, so yeah, I think that's all we've been watching, reading, and playing. Uh, so we can go into our main story discussion. <laughs> So, like I said up top, we're going to be talking about Joker, which is directed by Todd Phillips and starring Joaquin Phoenix. And I'm pretty sure it is pronounced Joaquin. Are we all agreed on that? Sure. Yeah. I've been yeah. saying it completely wrong this whole time. I've been like, Joaquin. <laughs> so, I, I, I realised, I just wanted to make sure of that because I, I realised that some people might have like given that hard J uh, yeah, that's what I was doing. Okay. I've just okay. been avoiding saying his name altogether. So. Okay. So, public service announcement for you guys and anyone listening, Joaquin Phoenix. Um, uh, as always, uh, with things like this, we have a spoiler alert. So we're going to be talking about uh, the whole story and giving away plot details and everything. Uh, so if you haven't seen it, watch it. Come back to us. Another thing if you have seen it um i should issue a trigger alert because as with all things dc comic book films um yeah you may just get angry over things we say so you know if you just if you're that type of person just be warned we might say some stuff about dc and or marvel anyway we will go into a recap of the story but before we do that i want to get people's quick take um, overall impression about the film how they found it before we go into more detail so uh annabelle mm -hmm. as i'm guessing the resident dc <laughs> fan you know, um yeah. how did you find it um oscar worthy film basically okay. is what i'm trying to say i thought it was <laughs> I'll, I'll rein it in okay um it was Brilliant. It was really good. The DC back on top form. If he doesn't win the Oscar, the Academy must be insane. <laughs> because his portrayal was 
utter perfection. He acted his socks off. I mean, I've always loved Quacking from gladiator times. Um, but this was just so lovely. The story of the Joker getting a character that um, we don't feel sorry for, but it's still like, I think they balanced it very, very well, you know, where we don't feel sorry for the Joker, but his story is tragic. And that's sort of an oxymoron, someone's story that's tragic, that you should feel sorry for him, but we don't because he's crazy. He I loved it. But he's actually. not crazy mentally ill, as in he's crazy. Okay, so cool. It? How about you, Lau? What did you think about the film? It it was just <laughs> it was it a comic book film? You know, <laughs> like mm. we we came away, me and my wife, we came away and we were like, they these guys have tricked us. <laughs> we, we came thinking we were going to watch a comic book film, but we actually were watching the Downward Spiral with Joaquin Phoenix, and like it was, it just felt so different from what you'd expect and we really liked it we really okay. liked it it was a I actually heavy wasn't film. sure what you'd say about it yeah 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 was, you know uh, give credit where credit's due it, it was a really well put together film and like obviously we'll get into the details but um i was expecting it to be good i felt the trailer gave us enough to know that look we're not trying to do a middle of the road film here and they delivered and yeah, I was very impressed. Okay. Anyone else want to jump in on on impressions? I feel like both uh, both accounts are pretty pretty much sum it up. But yeah, for me, I think amazingly put together film. Like some of the like shot, it was so artistic. It oh, it was amazing. And again, the acting on point. Um, but I just. It's a film I, I think is a really good film. Personally, I could never watch it again just because of how well <laughs> they portrayed it. It hurt me. Like, it's one of those films that literally pulls my poor soul apart because it's so dark. I'm such a <laughs> delicate flower when it comes to, like, really dark but close to some people's reality films stories like just touch me really badly and I'm like oh you know like you said we're just one bad day away from complete villainy and that scares me <laughs> <laughs> okay that's fair enough um Gina you saw it as well didn't you yeah I did um yeah because you you know there were so many episodes where I hadn't seen or watched the stuff that we we're talking about so I thought I better see this one um but no, I really uh, love DC, so I was going to see it anyway. But I'm not a huge fan of the Joker, to be honest, so I wasn't so sure about it. But it was done really well. Um, the problem I had with it is that it was... I don't do dark things, I don't do guns and stuff like that. So I went in like feeling really nervous. And it was a really like on-edge film. But it obviously works really well for the Joker, so that was fine. Um, it just... It isn't the sort of film I usually watch, but for DC, I'll do it. And they really did, you know, they did a really good job on it, I thought. Yeah, can, all right, okay. I kind can of... I just, sorry, can I just oh, add? I'm also terrified of clowns. Really? <laughs> oh, putting that out there. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, anything with a Joker in is always difficult for me to watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> clowns are kind of suspect. 
the floor. And not just because of the Joker, but uh, so I, uh, I'm going to be honest. I wanted to not like this film. Um, I'm going to upset Annabelle here, but um, <laughs> wow. so when it, when it was first, I'm just, just so you know where I'm coming from. Um, when it first announced, and I remember the, the image of uh, Joaquin Phoenix as Joker, uh, I just wasn't interested. I was like, were, for many reasons. Um, like one, I kind of, I still did have a, a, I guess, a hangover from Heath Ledger's performance, which for me was just the Joker. And I wasn't trying to see uh, anything else because how could you top that? Um, and then you've got sort of DC's less than stellar track record of films, uh, Suicide Squad, <laughs> Batman v Superman, Justice League, looking at you. Uh, sorry. Um, and then, as I mentioned with Gotham, just uh, for me personally, the idea of a uh, sort of a, a Joker film with no Batman was a little off-putting. So that was my that was my precon uh, preconceived ideas going into the film. And about mm, I'm going to say it wasn't even an, uh, an hour into the film. Uh, as I'm in the cinema, as I have conversation with myself, uh, and just say you are just so wrong. This is a really good, this is actually a really good film. And I don't want to, I'm going to say this, I don't want to disparage the whole comic book movie genre as a whole, but I remember thinking this is a proper film. Yeah. Um, and by that, I mean, not that, not to say like comic book films aren't proper films, but you know, as, as much as I loved like Captain America, um, sort of Winter Soldier, um, Civil War, uh, Black Panther um, and Endgame was still one of my sort of in terms of like a, a cinema watch, like the experience of going to the cinema and the highs and lows and everything. Um, I wouldn't expect like any of them to win sort of Oscars or like for best performance, best actor, or anything like this. But Joker was just like, I agree with Annabelle, just I think Joaquin Phoenix just like played that role so well. Uh, did such a good job uh, of that that I had to actually just kick out all my negative uh, ideas of the film uh, and just enjoy it because it's, I just thought it was really good. So I'm on board, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Although I did have some reservations, which we're, we're going to get into in a moment. So, all right, so now that we've kind of got all our thoughts out there, um, let's go into a recap of the story. In 1981, clown for hire and aspiring comedian Arthur Fleck lives in Gotham City with his mother Penny. Arthur suffers from a disorder that causes him to laugh at inappropriate times and depends on social services for support and medication. After a gang attacks him in an alley, Arthur's co-worker Randall gives him a gun. While entertaining, entertaining at a children's hospital, Arthur's gun falls out of his pocket and he is later fired. On the subway, still in his clown makeup, Arthur is started on by three drunken businessmen. He shoots two in self-defense and executes a third. The murders are later con condemned by billionaire candidate for mayor, Thomas Wayne. He labels the lower class as clowns, prompting demonstrations against Gotham's rich with protesters wearing clown masks in Arthur's image. Funding cuts end the social service program Arthur depends on, leaving him without medication. Arthur invites his neighbor Sophie to a stand-up comedy show, 
The show goes poorly as he laughs uncontrollably and can't deliver his jokes. Talk show host Murray Franklin mocks Arthur by showing clips from the routine on his show. Arthur later reads a letter written by his mother to Thomas Wayne, alleging that he is Thomas's illegitimate son. At Wayne Manor, he talks to a young Bruce Wayne, but flees after a scuffle with butler Alfred Pennyworth. Following a visit from two police detectives, Penny suffers a stroke and is hospitalised. Arthur confronts Thomas Wayne, who tells him Penny is delusional and that he is adopted. Arthur visits Arkham State Hospital and steals Penny's case file. The file confirms Penny adopted Arthur as a baby and allowed her abusive boyfriend to harm them both. Distraught, Arthur goes to the hospital and kills Penny. Arthur is invited to appear on Murray's show due to the unexpected popularity of his comedy routines clip. While en en route to the studio, Arthur is pursued by the two detectives onto a train filled with clown protesters. One detective accidentally shoots a protester and incites a riot, allowing Arthur to escape. Before the Murray Franklin show goes live, Arthur requests to be introduced as Joker. Arthur walks out to applause, but tells morbid jokes and admits he killed the men on the train. After ranting about how society abandons the disenfranchised, Arthur shoots Murray and is arrested as riots break out across Gotham. Rioters free Arthur and he dances on top of a police car to the cheers of the crowd. Inside Arkham, Arthur laughs to himself and tells his psychiatrist she would not understand the joke. He runs from orderlies, leaving a trail of bloodied footprints behind him. The end. Uh, so one of the things I wanted to kind of like get out of the way from the top is the controversy surrounding the film. Most of it before the film had sort of come out for wide release. Uh, so there was the whole idea of this film will sort of help perpetrate gun violence in America. Um, and it had been sort of described as uh, incel friendly. So with you guys, did you, were you aware of the controversy around the film? Um, did it affect how you perceive the film? Um, and do you feel like, uh, yeah, kind of that was borne out by the film? So yeah, I wanted to talk about the controversy around the film up front and just kind of get that out of the way. Uh, so there was a lot of press attention before the release around this film perpetrating gun violence and being described as uh, incel friendly. So from my perspective, I kind of felt that some of the reaction once the film was released showed that it was kind of a victim of the the time it was been released in with like a heightened awareness of, of uh, gun violence, especially in uh, America. So um, for for everyone else, did were you aware of the controversy around the film? Did it affect how you perceived it? And do you feel like it was actually borne out when the film was released? Um, so I had heard of this before I watched it, but then I didn't watch it till more recently and had completely forgot. Um, but I guess being here in the UK and not just being able to buy a gun from Walmart... Um, yeah. <laughs> or, or sports store as I've seen yeah like it doesn't really doesn't like I don't feel like it encourages that um but even if I was somewhere where 
guns were so easily accessible. Um, I still feel wouldn't it, but then maybe that's just me. I think I know that guns are bad, so I don't feel the need to go and buy one and shoot anyone with it <laughs> because that is bad, <laughs> and I understand those boundaries. Um, so I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so I don't see I... how it affects people, but yeah. I just feel like they were making, I, I don't know, I got the vibe that people were just complaining for the sense of mm. complaining. Because I was like, if, if another film had come out that had guns in it, people wouldn't have jumped to that conclusion. And it, it was very tragic what happened, obviously, with the Batman film when it did happen. But Batman's always had guns in, in it. It's like, you can't do the Joker without guns. I mean, you probably could, but, you know, it's part of what they've put in his backstory. I just feel like people were making a fuss, to be honest. Well, I actually think it was almost less about I mean they mentioned gun violence but so as I was thinking about it like Deadpool for example is from what I remember way more violent film if you're just talking about sort of number of guns fired if we're we're number of guns fired in the opening scene yeah (laughs) Yeah. the three credits have even rolled yeah yeah. (laughs) it's it's just way there's way more sort of violence in it but I think it's it's kind of given that it's sort of fantasy violence is not real and I think the the issue around Joker is that the the nature of the film and the, the character is is very relatable in terms of like I mentioned the sort of um, gun violence in America the, the types of people that perpetrate those um, acts of violence was very <laughs> very close to the kind of character uh, depicted in the film and I feel once people saw that kind of thing reflected they got a bit uh, shaky and it's like oh this is gonna sort of give people something to aspire to something to say that okay what you're doing is, is good this is the reason that you can now go out and 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 shoot more so I kind of I I got where some of the controversy was coming from but I wasn't yeah I wasn't having it <laughs> uh, all the way I, don't know <laughs> feel like that. I feel like the way the film ends um it pretty much sums up that this is not this is not the like what you should be aspiring to uh and i feel like anyone that does get that message from this um needs a little bit of work anyway so yeah <laughs> maybe <laughs> i don't know i feel like i feel like it's a it's a very different subject i feel like um i don't feel like the way that but i feel like gun violence was barely in this film there was just very set moments that gun violence was in it but it wasn't like gun violence is I don't know I feel like there's gun violence and way more other things that's way more serious yeah exactly that's Um, what I thought yeah and I don't feel Arthur Fleck is a like you say is an aspirational figure he's just it didn't We've literally like... an Arkham Asylum at the end. Like, why would you want to aspire to be in a mental <laughs> institute? Like, yeah, I don't get that. <laughs> I feel yeah. like maybe if someone watched half the film, yeah, didn't finish <laughs> it. Like, oh, this guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like I feel like yeah, I don't know. Different topic. America okay. needs to sort some stuff out, oh, regardless yeah. of this film. So it's just an excuse for the rest of us not to enjoy stuff. La- Lau, you're <laughs> going to say something. Yeah, I feel like it's really easy for um, I guess journalists to jump on 
a film for whatever reason and kind of attributes it to some current issue, namely gun violence. By the way, I had to look up incel friendly, um, and I'm glad. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah. now that I have the definition, I'm glad I didn't know what it was. Um, yeah, I realized I didn't define that, but <laughs> yeah. And if you don't know, um, yeah, then you're you probably better for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think that you know it, it's so easy to just jump on a film and say you know this is um, promoting like gun violence, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I agree. I don't really think that this is one of those films where you know it's gun violence heavy in in fact i think you know on the violence in film scale this was actually quite tame I, there are many other films that have so much more violence but i think the only difference is as you said nigel is that the weightiness of the film the realness of the film is what makes it more impactful um but even then um yeah, you just have to be already on that track to take this film and then aspire to to be like Arthur Fleck. Um, there's a few other things I could say about Arthur Fleck, but I'll save it for later, to be honest. Um, but I think most normal people just won't want to be in that situation. I mean, yeah, it's just, nah, I just couldn't see it. Uh, Annabelle did mention beforehand about sort of being an Oscar-worthy uh, film and Oscar-worthy performance. So I did want to touch on that because it did win a Venice Film Festival, um, so a Golden Lion at the Venice Film Festival. And yeah, Wacking Phoenix was just delivered a great performance. So are we expecting him to get a an Oscar for this? Will you be disappointed if he doesn't? Well, let yes. me ask you a question. Has Leonardo DiCaprio got an Oscar yet? eventually yes, yes so they might do him as well <laughs> <laughs> i want fair. him to get one but i don't know i really don't know oh the film that dicaprio won an oscar for was, was itself quite a not so much dark but a heavy yeah revenant a heavy like a heavy film um so this is also a dark film maybe this that's how you get an oscar <laughs> <laughs> could be could be yeah, um, I do feel like the performance was amazing. It really, really had you uh, feeling certain ways for uh, the Arthur Fleck character throughout um, and took you through those emotions and through the storm, I guess, um, in a way that oh, it was it was just amazing to watch. And yeah. I think it was a really good performance. I don't know for an Oscar. I don't really know how you rate someone for an Oscar. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what. Got... That have been awarded. Wait, am I the only one who keeps getting things cutting out? I I heard yes. Nigel cut out. Just oh, okay. Then. Same. Oh, sorry, that was my mistake. Um, on my mic. Okay, well edit it out <laughs> well, you're giving me so much work to do at this yeah, episode. <laughs> um cool all right yeah my apologies all right we'll start hey, is everyone everyone on everyone can yeah. hear me yes okay yes. all right cool so yeah gina just keep track of that and we'll um okay. cut out um so yes uh so i was saying about um the expectation of him whacking phoenix getting an oscar and just the performance he delivered why 
liked about the performance and just the film in general that it was it was patient um and what i mean by that that it it took its time in really bringing you down into the, the despair before uh arthur flex transitioned into um the joker so when the film started and you kind of see him getting beaten up and his sign taken away uh, i had a moment where i was thinking they could take a, a shallow approach with this with this film with this character and, and give him a few scenes of him sort of being downtrodden and, and and all that and then just have the rest of the film being him about the joker but they spent most of the film kind of just him having just really bad times um and i feel that at each stage like as it got more and more depressing um and you just see uh arthur Fleck just yeah just be stretched more and more it kind of gives that i don't even want to say justification or uh, um excuse but you kind of you see where he's coming from uh, at least as a character within the context of this film you kind of see how he can make that um transition the um, method to the madness maybe yeah i'm trying to find like a uh the right you know what it was in there, yeah yeah that's that's <laughs> <laughs> that's the word I'm trying to avoid but yeah you kind of you at least you see where he's coming from uh, I'm going to go with Method to the Madness thanks for that uh, allow um, how about other performances though do you feel like anyone else stood out um, over the time can I just give a shout out to my man Robert De Niro excellent <laughs> <laughs> excellent performance <laughs> loved him yeah absolutely oh, loved him. yeah yeah I agree um, what I liked about having Robert De Niro as well is because, I mean, this film kind of is inspired by um, the Taxi Driver. Um, and then, oh, what was the other one as well? Uh, my mind's going blank, but it was another film, Kings of Comedy, that was it. Um, both starring Robert De Niro. Um, and in fact, in uh, Kings of Comedy, he actually plays a... Uh, TV show host, if my memory serves. Um, so it's kind of a, a nice callback in that sense as well. Um, so one of the things that I also wanted to get people's like views on is, like, I've just tried to avoid saying like the film endorses the actions that Joker later takes in the film, and part of the controversy around it was the idea of there being maybe too much humanity in the film and, and maybe having a, a character and a story that would have us empathize with someone who would take these kind of actions did did any of you feel like like you were supposed to sympathize with Arthur Fleck at all do you feel like there was too much maybe empathy in the character how did you feel that that came across no way there definitely was not I thought that's what I thought that the film did so brilliantly um, because uh, given the circumstances, we should be like, oh my God, this is so sad. But in fact, because of his actions that he took were so violent and so extreme, um, we ended up not feeling sorry for him. And I thought they balanced that really well in telling a story of that was quite tragic. You know, his mum let him get abused by her boyfriend and she was abused as well and just, he was cut off from social services and all these things that were happening to him were just like really sad. But his reactions, the, the way he, um, he killed that guy in the, 
his apartment, the his fellow comedian, and he let the other guy go. Those sort of instances where it's just like, what are you doing? You're you're in like it's crazy what his his reactions, the way he killed Robert De Niro, just like that. I was laughing for the full five minutes at that scene because I thought it was so brilliant, but. <laughs> <laughs> like, I burst out laughing oh, in the cinema. <laughs> I was like, Someone done that when I was watching it. Hysterically, and I... like I was hysterically laughing. Like, was I the Joker at that stage? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I was I was so stage. long, people started looking at me. <laughs> it was so funny and insane, and I was like, "Who?" After one bad, I don't know if you guys have seen the film Falling Down with Michael Douglas. He has one bad day, and he just goes on like a killing spree, mm, mm. and. It, it reminded me of that where, you no, know, but you don't have to do that sort of thing. Just because you have one bad day does not excuse your actions, which are extreme, where you kill three people on the back, I mean, two of them went off the but I think the humanity in it is done in a way where no one, it's not excusing the actions that he did. You know, it's just like you, your, your circumstances are really, really tragic and really bad, but you, the way you react to them is so extreme that we stop feeling sorry for you. And that balance was just directing magic and story writing just up there with it. And I was just like, they did it so well that they balanced a, a bad, a tragic story with, a, with an insane character. And they married the two just to utter perfection. I can't wait this film any more than I actually possibly could. It's just perfectly done. Because I was really scared that when I said, oh my God, they're going to do the Joker film. And I got nervous because I was like, I really hope they don't make people feel sorry for him. Because when Jared Leto's Joker came up, people were like, oh, I wouldn't mind the Joker. He's cute. And so I was like, no, don't feel sorry for the Joker. Don't like the Joker. Joker is evil. He is a sociopath. So I was really happy with the way this film turned out because I was scared um, that they were going to give the Joker too much humanity. And he didn't deserve any humanity because he was crazy. And the actions he's, he did should not be understood like by anybody. It should never ever be justified. So that's why I really appreciated this, the way that this was done. There was not, an, there was not the humanity that was there. He was crazy and that was crazy. I feel like very similar in terms of um, the Joker is a victim at points in this. Uh, mm-hmm. But then again, his actions change. His reaction to the things that happened to him change that his character has potential to be like for us to feel sorry for him but because of his actions it's like well no you've you've void that (laughs) you've taken that right for us to feel sorry for you out of the equation because um yeah all these things are horrible and no one deserves that but also your actions were not justifiable um and I also think what this film does is there are no there are no real good people in this um everyone is pretty much some degree of evil in my opinion uh there's a lot of ableism in it um and I don't feel anything for any of the characters <laughs> like in terms of like a good feeling um because yeah how they do treat Arthur Fleck in it is just like don't treat someone like that <laughs> just just don't treat someone like that um but then yeah oh it 
I can't even really talk about it because (laughs) (laughs) I get so worked up about it. Um, I think the only characters that I feel any good towards are the, I think the clown's name's Gary, the one that he lets out. Um, And I really thought he wasn't going to let him out. Oh my God. I was so scared he wasn't going to let him out. And I was like, he should let him out. There's no reason why he should keep him there. Um, <laughs> and the the girl. Uh, the girlfriend. The, yeah, yeah, the, 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 the Sophie Demont. Yeah. 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 Um, that wasn't actually his girlfriend. He was just imagining it. Yeah. So they're the only two uh, people that I felt anything for. Everyone else was kind of horrible. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, not, it's not a good place. Gotham is, it's not a good place. But I think to um, what you were saying, Annabelle, about them being able to show this this series of of bad circumstances that this character is in, but still not necessarily make you feel sympathy for yeah. him, was done really well. And that was one of my fears when first hearing about the film that wouldn't have Batman because aside from just being a Batman fan, uh, fan and wanting to see Batman, um, Batman and the Joker kind of work as the sort of the moral balance to each other. Yeah. Uh, and, and that works so well, like as a sort of protagonist, antagonist, it works so well. that I, I was worried that it would be an imbalance of if you just see it through Joker's point of view with nothing on the other side to kind of say this is wrong. Yeah. Uh, and this is how you're supposed to sort of live and go about it. It would skew it in in a way of yeah, essentially endorsing <laughs> uh, what he does. But they've managed to kind of get that balance. And I think part of that was due to the fact that you know some of what we saw, not sure how much, but some of what we saw might not have happened. So it's like it it was a kind of like false memory. Um, or, or imagination of what happened. So it wasn't like uh, everyone was actually cheering for him at the end or question mark on that. Um, so it wasn't this film saying that he did these things and he was rewarded. There's a question mark on pretty much everything um, that he does and the responses that he gets. Uh, so I kind of like the way they um, they did that. Um, another thing I, I was just thinking of as uh, as you were talking, Annabelle, is that because you were saying like you laughed at the <laughs> when, when he shot um, Manic, which, I laugh. yeah, which uh, might say something about you, but uh, for, <laughs> um, but it's funny because I so I went to see this with uh, with two friends, um, one who actually didn't like it, but um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was a good discussion afterwards. But um, so our uh, editor uh, Lara Lee, uh, she was the other. Uh, friend and she so the moment when Arthur Fleck kills uh, is it Russell no Russell Randall and the uh, Gary um, that whole scene she was laughing that whole <laughs> way through because it was just such a ridiculous like circumstance yeah and I'm watching it because I've watched the film twice now uh, and looking back at it I kind of see there's this there's this balance between comedy and tragedy. And he has this line at some point in the film where he says something uh, to paraphrase, like, I thought my life was a tragedy, but now I realize it's a comedy. And I feel throughout the film, 
they've kind of had this juxtaposition of like really dark moments but then really ridiculous moments so you kind of have this uh when he just he's killed uh this sort of big big guy um he stabbed him he's left him for dead and he's just sitting there and then you've got the uh the smaller uh, clown kind of just scared out of his mind he then decides to let him go but he can't go because he can't reach the latch on a door so he has oh to turn God, around that whole scene. <laughs> and that's just <laughs> like that's, that's just objectively just a ridiculous um kind of set of events um but then you also have situations like um what was the other one yeah so when he's at the hospital and the two detectives um approach him and he kind of you know essentially turns them away like i'm not participating in this in this line of questioning and he tries to go back into the hospital but the door because he's going trying to go to the exit he just rams into <laughs> oh, yeah. the door. and that's that's just funny <laughs> that's just, there's so there's like moments started where they, i feel they've purposefully tried to um sort of juxtapose, juxtapose like tragedy and just like dark moments with just funny uh moments which is is part of like the character as well yeah definitely yeah uh and then the other thing i wanted to uh get all your opinion on was this uh, idea of what did happen and what didn't because you've got this this film as um sort of promoted essentially as an origin story however Mm -hmm. Because the protagonist here is uh, essentially an unreliable uh, narrator of his story, you have a lot of things that could be questioned as to whether they really happened. So we had, like we mentioned, um, the whole kind of Sophie uh, sequence of him meeting uh, his his neighbour and then leading us to believe that they actually sort of got together, went on dates, which, by the way, I never bought. I wasn't buying that. Yeah, like it was like as more. if she'd go for him. Like he's a when he was stalking her or whatever. I was like, as <laughs> if, come on. <laughs> if that was if that was real. That would just break my whole worldview of how things are supposed to work. But anyway, I um, wanted it to be real. I wanted her to be like semi crazy herself <laughs> and kind of living life on the edge and wanting that yeah. bit of insanity in her life. And I was. I was hurt. I was hurt for um, Arthur Fleck. I was like, he could have at least had a girlfriend, man. I <laughs> yeah. just took that away from him. Yeah. yeah, and they kind of they dropped clues, sort of pretty much from the beginning, because um, when he was watch first watching the uh, the Murray Frank- Franklin show, you kind of see the show starting and then him fantasizing about yeah. being on the show and being called yeah. up and getting that recognition. Uh, and a lot of this film is is about sort of the need to be recognised. So when it goes to him meeting Sophie and them having this relationship, and in the way they kind of drop that, oh, actually, he imagined a lot of this. So I wanted to know, like, what do you think was was real in that in that film, and what wasn't? <laughs> it's a tough I love one. the silence. Everyone I know it's a, yeah. <laughs> we debating it after watching it the first time. Like, how much of that was real? If if this is an origin story, how much of it was actually his origin? 
That's true. I thought of that as well myself. Actually, when especially when he went onto the show for real, and I thought, is he actually there? I thought maybe it was another hallucination or another dream, because um, it really scared me when he was just sitting in her flat, and she was like, "What are you doing here?" I was like, "Oh my god!" He imagined the whole relationship. What the <laughs> hell? What's real? What's not? I'm questioning everything. And I was just like, I loved I, the idea of that because after that, I was just like. Is he really on the show? Did he really just kill him? Did he yeah. like everything? And it just it also helped us get inside his mind where he's imagining what he's imagining and what is actually happening to him. They're sort of merging into one. Yeah. And he like his mind is sort of a myriad of things that are just not normal. And that from the outside looking in, that's what we sort of get a sense of. So I really like the idea that they they did that whole relationship thing and they played that out quite a while. Um, so I liked it because I was like, first of all, I was like, did he really get her? Are they really dating? Is this really happening? And I was like, when it kept going on, I was like, oh, he's not imagining this. They are really dating. Yeah. But then and the hospital scene makes it seem you're like they're definitely dating. Like that yeah. is real. That that moment was so real, um, and it didn't have any of the sort of clues yeah. from it, other fake moments that you're it like, really just felt really genuine. Yeah. Let me just and, tell you guys that. My wife Louise called that thing out from the drop. She was like, <laughs> "No way would she ever get with that yeah, guy." I was and there I, with her. Like, no, that's not happening. Don't hate on him. <laughs> and I was like, "What are you talking about?" But I have to give her props because the whole thing unraveled. <laughs> yep. Yep. And I, the other... oh, the moment ahead. that I realized was when they show the door just before he walks into the apartment, and I was like. <gasps> Oh, <laughs> okay. I was like, "How did I not see it all this time?" And then I got really <laughs> upset. So I was like, "I just like it when people like <laughs> at least have a relationship." <laughs> I feel like that's everyone's salvation. It's just a little bit of love in their lives. Yeah, but you I didn't even get that. The Joker is denied even that, and I yeah. love. Yeah, <laughs> I like the idea of it. I like the idea that it wasn't real, and like then I was just like questioning everything. I was like that's what it must be like to live inside his mind where just real life and I guess fantasy just merge into one and that's just how his mind works and I like the idea of that actually I feel it was really well done yeah and can I tell you the the kind of the bits that made me question like how much of it like his whole origin was real is that they so they pitched him as this guy who is like really underfed because his, his mom even says that uh, they show scenes where his body's like contorted and he's just really underweight. Uh, and yet he manages to sort of manhandle Alfred. He manages to grab the, his mother's files from, um, I've forgotten the character's that name. That scene but, is the best like, scene there's, ever, and ever. As soon as I saw, <laughs> as soon as I saw them, um, oh, what was his name? Clark. Clark? Carl. I keep getting names mixed up. Um, but when he managed to grab and sort of wrestle his yeah. mother's files, like, how is this guy so skinny and yet manhandling men bigger than him? Something's <laughs> not right here. That just made me question this whole thing. But um, so, yeah, I just like one. And I like the way they've they've done it. Like nothing is definitive. So it, it does mm-hmm. make you like question and, and talk after the film is done. And I like when films do that, like how much of this is real. Um, and even I know this isn't a, uh, a you know tie to sort of previous um, 
versions of Joker, but in The Dark Knight, where you had Heath Ledger talk about his background or sort of lack thereof, you you have those moments where he he's telling people like, "Do you know how I got these scars?" Yeah. And each time he does it, it's, it's sort a of story. it's a different story. <laughs> so it's kind of that idea of like this guy doesn't even know where he come from. He has no background, and and I like the way they've they've done it in this one where because of hit, um, Arthur Fleck being that um, unreliable narrator, you don't even know how much of this is true. And the Joker still doesn't have a definitive um, origin. I think as well, like leading on from that, um, even his, like, like you don't know who his real birth parents are. You don't know, like, uh, the uh, Penny Fleck, um, the mum is equally yeah she's uh, just unreliable <laughs> unreliable and so you've got all this this history that it's like well what has anything that she said been real as well like I'm so confused who's who's telling the right story um even yeah I feel like possibly other people are lying as well uh so yeah, yeah i don't know what's what's real what's not it was just confusion soup i think it really started to fall to pieces for me when well actually let me <laughs> let me back up a bit i was tricked as i'm sure a few people were into thinking that arthur fleck and bruce wayne were brothers half brothers and to be honest, I was like, whoa, that's pretty cool. And then when that unraveled, I was like, oh, this is, this Do you is know, becoming quite a mess. <laughs> they <laughs> nearly got me to believe that. They nearly got me to believe that. Oh, so I didn't believe that for a said, second. I was like, no. And then it was like progressing that storyline. And I was like starting to doubt and question myself. <laughs> and they nearly got me to believe it. Very nearly. I would have like, been upset if that would have been shut real. It down, and I was like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, was like, I was ready. I was actually ready. I was like, this is going to be an interesting Batman film coming up. I was so ready for this. <laughs> but, Never, you know. ever co-sign that, ever. <laughs> no. No. Hell no. Okay, well, I mean, speaking of sort of the next Batman film and, and the DC universe, this, uh, obviously, this is like a standalone thing standalone story and when i left the cinema after sort of having to talk to myself and admit that this is uh, just a great film uh, i did wonder like where did dc go from here and for me i feel they should do more like this i think whoever's running that ship over there uh should just say you know what we tried this extended universe thing we're not really good at it. Let's stop. Let's do these kind of one-off stories, or even if it is a trilogy, but just like tight stories. Let's embrace if we need to, sort of dark, darker storytelling. Leave Marvel to do what they do, and just make more films like this. What do you guys think? Do you think they should like pivot or sort of trying to continue trying to make like extended universe films? I mean, obviously they will because of because money, but what do you think i think they can do both dc okay. are not marvel and i don't think they should try to be dc 
it really hurt me when DC I was like, what are you doing, DC? You guys are pioneers. You don't follow, you lead. So it was frustrating me that they were just trying to jump onto the let's just churn out these films. I was like, focus. Let's get back to Dark Knight days. Let's get back to Batman days. We know how to do good storytelling. And so I was really happy with this film. I was just like, okay, we can do standalones. We can also do say we as if I I, I work with you. Yeah. Yeah, This lady a job. (laughs) On the board of directors. (laughs) What we're doing for the company. Um, No, what I mean is it's just it was really frustrating me that DC would find find it turn out these films. And not that I don't have every single film that DC have made on DVD. Yes, I do. That includes Batman versus Superman. Nigel, okay? So I'm a DC diehard and I'm like we, I have the comics. I know what good storytelling is. You guys have the content. Why are you messing this up? It's very straightforward. Comic, film, very easy. Um, so I think it can be both. I think you tell them, Annabelle. <laughs> <laughs> you tell them. Very easy. <laughs> can we just clip that bit and send it straight to like whoever is in charge? <laughs> I think that they can do both, but they just need to take their time. We will wait for, I mean, for, look how long The Last of Us has taken to come out. But if, oh. I assure you, once The Last of Us 2, sorry, once it gets released, people will be buying in their grids. We will wait for something that is good quality, that, that's a good film. Don't rush it because you feel like, oh my God, that we can only have a short window. If something is done well, if you've taken your time, if you've done it like correctly, and it takes a while to build up these films, like Marvel did. For goodness sakes, it was 10 years in the making. They didn't mm-hmm. just rush out and churn out all the films. Iron Man, and then they 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 went onto the film. We got to know these characters, and then they did it like that. And I'm like, DC, you you've already got that formula correct. Why are you rushing to match somebody that you were leading in the first place? Superman, Christopher Reeves days, DC were always on top. So it just frustrated me that they were trying to copy when they didn't have to. I think that so basically, Dance, I think we can still do both. We can still put out films like The Joker, which is amazing we can still put up we can do both oscar-worthy films with cinematic success and those more i guess stereotypical superhero films as well i think both can be done i completely agree with annabelle i feel like do the standalones like this amazing film and then do um the sort of more man of steel universe on (laughs) films and things that it will work and is relevant don't always try and do it we can live with both we're not going to be like oh but this doesn't align with the cinematic universe no it will be like okay so this is a standalone joker film uh, and then this is the suicide squad or justice <laughs> league yeah. collective well, I mean, not, <laughs> whatever not that level but i get what you're saying but, but if they're taking their time on those things then <laughs> they could have been great there was potential there's some really great characters there <laughs> Exactly. Chill, chill out of it. <laughs> My view is slightly controversial compared to what I've heard so far. Go ahead. I think these guys need to focus, in my personal opinion. Um, I, I do think that, you know, they could potentially get away with both, but, you know, I've forgotten which YouTuber said it, and he was talking about Marvel. Um, and he was basically saying, you've got the diehard comic fans you've got the people that are kind of in the know and then you've basically just got everyone else and the thing is whichever way you look at it like dc's dc marvel's marvel and if you turn up to the box office 
with a film under a particular banner and it's good, the the masses will be looking to the next film. And if the next film is dribble or just whatever, like, you know, just hashed together, then they may not be so forgiving for the follow-up, which is maybe a really good standalone. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously it's a money-driven industry. So I really think they need to be careful with their next steps. And, you know, I, I feel like they've, I feel they actually do have a little bit of a problem. Um, and, and I'll tell you why. So like uh, some of you guys may know there's another film coming out, Birds of Prey. Um, I mean, I haven't seen Suicide Squad, but my understanding is that this Ooh. is a spin-off. So am I right? I cannot believe you haven't seen Suicide Squad, so let's just get back to that point. <laughs> what? Where? I, you, why? Not. Well, I, I I was informed for my health that <laughs> I should that yeah, I should yeah. not watch the oh. film. I'm not <laughs> on the same page. Was now. I misinformed? I also haven't seen it because of that same reason. I feel like I might be the reason. <laughs> Nigel, what are you I'm doing right now? It's the not film good is not. That's it's what it, you can still watch and enjoy. It's just not one you're going to go to the cinema and has great urgency. But I think you can still sit down mm-hmm. yeah, and enjoy okay. it. There's, it has faults. It has a lot of faults. Um, and but you know, I think it. There's worse films out there. Okay. <laughs> oh my God, what a glowing recommendation! There are a lot of films that are a lot worse that are out there. Okay. And I think I think we're just holding it to a standard um that's not necessarily fair on it okay so justice league or suicide squad help me out i can't remember what happens in justice league so oh dear so that tells me everything i need to know but i mean i think we're getting slightly off the point all i'm trying to say here is that you look at a film like birds of prey now if anyone has studied the trailer and the timing of the trailer you may notice some similarity to the Joker trailer. Admittedly, the pace and the tone is different, but somehow it's almost as if they took inspiration with the way in which it was stitched together. Um, and I just feel like, hmm, what, what are they trying to do here exactly? Like, these are two completely different universes. I don't believe this Harley Quinn could ever exist in the same universe as this Joker. So, I can see the masses getting a little bit confused by this if they're going to try and do a dual universe thing. It, in the same way, like I watched um, Aquaman uh, like about a month ago, really likes that film. But my wife, who's not into comics, but like she wanted to watch a Joker film, and she was like, I can't see Aquaman, much as I liked it, I can't see Aquaman in the same film as <laughs> the Joker with Joaquin Phoenix it just couldn't it just wouldn't make sense so I feel like they they have to focus and I really feel like what they're doing here with Batman um could be something really great and yeah they could still make all these other films but I don't know it might be better for them to just kind of world build around specific franchises and then move on I don't know why that would be such a bad thing. And, you know, like Nigel said, um, they're not Marvel. Um, I know that they can probably pull off like a 
uh, what would you call it, like a mashup connected universe thing, but they don't have to. And I think that's the point, you know, and yeah, that, that's my view. I know it's not the same view as everyone else, but I just think, you know, keep it simple. You made a good film. I actually think they're going to have a tough enough time making a believable Batman off the back of this. Um, unless they just pull out all the stops and they have a really large budget. Um, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm really struggling. I'm like, what kind of Batman's going to come up against this Joker? If you get my drift. Can you guys picture mm. it? Because I can't. I'm really struggling. And it might be because of Ben Affleck. I don't know. But <laughs> it's the aftertaste. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But like, I, I just struggle. Um, you know, and I do know, obviously, we had the Dark Knight series and that was great. But even that was somewhat removed from reality. Whereas this film... I feel like everything that happened in this film could have actually happened. And that's where I'm struggling. Okay. Well, I mean... Oh, you're going to say something, Annabelle? Um, no, I understand that. It's, um, I think that they should just make this a standalone film fight. They shouldn't bring Gracken Phoenix's Joker into if they want to make a follow-on sort of um, world. Because he doesn't... I don't think he really fits in in there like that at all um time scale all of that stuff and they're they're making a batman that's younger because it's james patterson that's um play no no sergeant robert patterson that's playing him so i don't i don't see how they could exist maybe they'll bring in a different um joker not like in phoenix's joker so they can do those films where they're just like by themselves mm. by themselves and then they can do sort of the because they've got the show, because I, I thought it was a bit strange that they were doing the same Flashpoint. They wanted to do Flashpoint, the TV show, and then the film Flashpoint, um, which is Flash's story, and then he, he disrupts the entire timeline. I guess they could do that. I, there's just so much that they have, comic book-wise, that they don't have to stick to, I guess, a single script, where they have to follow one single timeline. All the films are involved, and they're all part of one sort of world. Some of them can just be by themselves. I think. Yeah, I think. I would agree with that. And I, I think some focus is needed uh, on what works for them. Uh, and mm. I think like taking it from sort of what they would have learned from Joker, what they hopefully would have learned from uh, things like Suicide Squad, and just yeah. go with kind of what, what works for them and just building that. And just for us, we then get different types of films that, uh, that are good and that we can all enjoy. So yeah, um, I hope they do take something from it uh so yeah that was our views on uh, joker if you've seen the film or even if you haven't because it's the internet and we can do that now uh let us know what you think um feedback yeah. at myamatter.com and we might just read your comments out on a future episode uh so we're going to go into our story tip and talk about things you can learn from the main story discussion in this case joker So I mentioned it earlier on, this idea of the Joker, Arthur Fleck, being an unreliable narrator and using that in your story. Uh, so I haven't done it uh, myself, but uh, it's an interesting way and I like the way they've, uh, it's an interesting method and I like the way they've uh, done it. So if you're someone who's thought about it or if you have done it, there's kind of different ways to go about it. So one of the things that was very apparent for uh, for me in so why you would use 
uh, an unreliable uh, narrator is that it just increases engagement in the story. So we talked about when his relationship, um, in air quotes, with Sophie was shown to be uh, a figment of his imagination. Just as soon as you find that, it instantly sort of one makes you go back and kind of question oh wait here's all the points where yeah that's that could have been wrong and here's all the other things that he might have been making up and then going forward it just makes you kind of a bit more engaged in the story because then you think what else of what he's saying or what he's showing is real and what isn't um so there's a few films that i've like or loads of stories that i've done this i think the one that came to mind um for me was uh, memento i don't know if anyone's seen that but you have this character with uh terrible Brilliant film yeah just terrible memory uh issues and it you just you see how much he's forgotten and you kind of learn things along the way that changes your understanding of the story uh as you go uh, and another film um which I really enjoyed, um, Gone Girl, uh, in the cinema, which uh, through t- having two unreliable narrators just completely flips your understanding uh, of the story and where it's going. Uh, so, yeah, uh, if you're looking out for your, your own story, I'll say that again. So that was a really good book, Gone Girl. Oh, Gone Girl, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if you're um, in the process of using an unreliable, unreliable narrator, uh, in your story, there was a few things you can learn uh, from the Joker uh, that just stood out to me. Like, for example, what type of unreliable uh, narrator are they? So in Joker's case, you have a character um, who's considered sort of the, the madman type of narrator in that he's uh, sort of just detached from reality. Um, but there's other ways of doing it. So you can have characters that are unreliable due to their uh, age or experience or just being uh, an out-and-out liar. Uh, Another thing to consider is it's important to establish their unreliability from the start. So you can't just introduce it partway through. And we see that in the Joker where from the beginning we see him uh, receiving help for mental health issues um, from very early on in the film so it kind of plants that seed that what he's seeing or what we're seeing through his eyes might not exactly be the case and Mm -hmm. you kind of see that build up in different ways like we mentioned Sophie we see when he learns about his uh, mother's own mental health issues that in turn just casts even more of a cloud over what we're seeing through his eyes so you kind of have to establish it early on but then also uh, build up on that as the film goes on uh, and then there's even um, a line after the sort of uh, social services are cut he he tells Randall that he stopped taking his medication and he feels much better now so again that's like another clue that you know even more so what we're going to see from him uh, is potentially unreliable yeah. um, and then another uh, thing to consider is <clears throat> is just being able to withhold information from the audience. Uh, So using that unreliable narrator uh, method, you have situations where we as the audience are almost learning things at the same time as the protagonist. So when Arthur intercepts the letter from his mother, we kind of learn that, or at least in the moment, we learn that, oh, 
he is the illegitimate son of Thomas Wayne and him and Bruce are brothers. But then when he goes to confront Thomas Wayne, we then learn another truth that his mother is quote unquote crazy and um, he's been abused, he's adopted and he's been abused uh, as a child. Uh, And even from the character himself. So you have this thing uh, from when he first meets Sophie, you know, remember they do that sort of pointing the gun to the head uh, sign of like, you know, I just give up on this. And that's kind of carried out through the film. Uh, And there's a point when he's rehearsing for his appearance on the talk show that he goes through his routine of telling the joke, which ends in him killing himself. And from that point on, you feel that that might be how this ends. But even he doesn't even know what he's going to do. So when it gets to it, he doesn't end up shooting himself. He ends up shooting the host. So again, it's like um, all this information we're just learning on the spot uh, as a result of him being an unreliable uh, narrator. So those are a few things that I uh, picked up that hopefully can help you. I don't know if anyone else um, picked up on anything else in the film uh, that they want to share. Um, or not yeah. could... <laughs> uh, I, I thought someone was about to go um, I, yeah. I, thought, <laughs> I thought it was um, really interesting how you had the kind of internal struggle and then the external struggle the first half of the film was kind of showing the internal struggle and then the last half of the film you started to see all of the external struggle and the consequences of what was going on inside i thought that was it's a really simple formula but like it, it works quite well um you know and i didn't actually get to say this but like showing the internal struggle is what got people invested in this character um i personally did feel sorry for arthur fleck but you know what? obviously yeah i mean what look at it this watch? way <laughs> all right so forget forget who he is for a second this is okay. a guy who was let down by, you know, the system mm-hmm. in terms of like his like mental health issue and like the medication. And they basically said the city doesn't care about you. And the woman might as well have said, I also don't care about you. Um, yeah. and, and personally, I think that that's a sad thing. Like, I don't need to agree with the subsequent actions to mm-hmm. be able to say, actually, you know what? Poor guy. He didn't ask for that. Um, getting beaten up by some some kids, like I mean, that's pretty cold. That he did nothing to those children. Now, obviously, none of that may have actually happened, but that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> the point is yeah. that you know that that's what we were shown. So we have to go on what we're shown. And yeah. you know, I felt like you know what that was really unfair. Like kids shouldn't have to be treating people like that and he's there's it's an older person and you're there thinking kids today and all this stuff shaking your fist <laughs> in the air so like there were, there were scenes like that and then of course the facts that you know he completely bombed during his um debut on stage and then everyone was laughing at him maybe i've just been through a lot of stuff and i can relate i don't know <laughs> but i'm and, saying but, but Lau, are you shooting people up are you, yeah. you going to go and kill I don't think his actions after his yeah. after those moments I think exactly. yeah he I feel sorry for him in those moments after he's committed the actions yeah then 
serious of trauma. Yeah. During those scenes, you do feel sorry for him. You do feel I sorry for him. But that that um sympathy dies a quick death when he starts killing people. He's like, oh, this person's done this to me. Why don't I kill them? That's I think an insane sympathy, reaction to something. Yeah. My sympathy ended when he killed uh uh Murray on the Murray show. Um, oh, yeah. the, no, the, he, Murray had it coming. I'm sorry. I, I was <laughs> wow. like, go on, then Joker, do it. <laughs> the first guys, I thought that was a moment of weakness, and that there he was three bodies. That was a moment of weakness. There was still a. I mean, yeah, but they they were really. Yeah, the last guy. He, he and I feel like there was still some a chance of like not redemption yeah. but to realize that you have done something bad there and that you know like that wasn't a good thing to do mm-hmm. uh yeah but, but he himself said that he didn't um he was waiting to feel like oh my god i've just killed three people but he said it himself that he didn't feel a thing like yeah, but he doesn't that. see that till much. Say that till much. Yeah, later, I feel. so it was just like even, so, and he wasn't even behaving like, oh my god, I just killed three people. I was just like, when's that gonna be? When's the? He kind of. Really, really that's good. the thing. The way they did it was like, well, for me anyway, there were very subtle uh, things that were like, I, I'm not sure if he's, I'm not sure what he's feeling right now. Um, is he feeling fear of getting caught, or is he feeling, uh, like, the, the pain and guilt of just killing people and then it's not till later on that for me anyway that was established that oh okay he's not feeling any pain or remorse he's wholeheartedly enjoying that he killed people um but like that people were like constantly um attacking him and and for something that he has no control over he's constantly getting taken taken the mick out of and I don't, that's not okay. So, <laughs> and in that moment, like, I mean, I probably would have at least punched one of those guys. <laughs> yeah, I think it would have deserved that. So, I would have punched one of those guys too. Yeah. Um, the last guy was like, I was like, whoa, okay. The, the first two, I was like, that's not okay, but I kind of understand. Uh, the last guy was like, maybe you're just full of adrenaline right now. You, mm-hmm. I was like, I actually questioned whether that bit was real at one point mm. after it happened. Uh, and then I was like, no, okay, yeah, it's definitely real. Um, mm. So I feel like for me, the whole, through a lot of the film, uh, a lot of, I was like, how is this? I want to know the end before I make my judgment. Mm, okay. I do, like, I do like this whole thing about this, this film just sparking conversations about like each moment just questioning what happens and yeah why it happens and or did it really happen yeah not that any of his actions are justified but maybe they are understood yeah that's okay. the key i think and i think that's that that's the whole idea of bringing you in his head or trying to anyway because you want you want to at least understand like where did yeah. this all kind of come from um but i think the key is also being able to I mean you don't have to be able to do this some people just outright hate the Joker but I think what they've the writers have done really well is they've made you they've kind of played a trick on us 
because if he had just come out, I think Nigel touched on this, if he had just come out and did all the bad things that he was going to do, we wouldn't we wouldn't care so much if we hadn't seen him go through all of those things that are horrible regardless of who you are. Um, and then we have that tension, of course. And and by the end of it, I think there's no other way to end the film but to have him dancing on a car with everyone cheering because you, you won't want to champion that guy, you know? Mm. <laughs> but isn't it funny, though, how the very people that would you know, around him were the people, well, maybe not all of them, but definitely some of them, were people that were downtrodden, the people that were basically at the bottom rung of society. He, he, They basically tried to make him look like he was some sort of people's champion in a very twisted way. Yeah, <laughs> um, he was painted as that. But then he even rejected the ideas um, when asked about it. Mm, yeah, the crowd yeah. didn't care, though. They broke him yeah. out. Yeah, no, that so, was... Uh, just, thing. <laughs> That's why it's so twisted, <laughs> because yeah. it's almost like it was a good ending for him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like yeah. that. I, I do like that. He inspires madness as well, where mm. he inspires like this sort of the craziness. He brings that out in people, um, which is why other people also hear him. Like he's, mm. he's almost like he's done this whole revolution, but he almost doesn't care about it, and it's just he'll no, enjoy he it. Doesn't. He's yeah. just, Matt, like he's just perfect. He's just I have never completely hated the Joker, apart from the fact that he's a clown. Um, but I feel like he is essential for Batman's moral compass as well, because the Joker has these reasons for doing things that if his actions were good actions, he'd be a hero. But his actions are bad actions, which makes him the villain. Right. But his okay. his like uh, reasons for doing them are not villainous, if that makes sense. Okay. So I see. what triggers him is that he was downtrodden, that people did bully him, uh, that um, you know uh, the he's kind of been left left behind in this society. Um, so he's he's like one. Everyone's one bad day of, away from being a villain, but also being a hero. If your choices in that moment uh, are to take the higher ground, then you're yeah. a hero. Yeah, and so that's uh, one of the reasons that... I've never fully hated the Joker. I hate, I, I hate all the choices he makes. I, I always have uh, the hope that people can be better than they are, <laughs> and that they can somehow, you know at some point take a change. I think people are capable of changing. And I always have that like hope for Joker. But I also <laughs> think that Joker forces Batman, not forces, but helps Batman be good because of that. Yeah. I, I think that is what makes a, a good villain is that somewhere deep down there is some good point there, just the way it comes out for that particular character. Um, so yeah, so definitely let us know if you've learned anything story-wise from the Joker all your general feedback, send it in to us and we will take a look. And uh, before we do finish up, uh, just wanted to get some more details on what our guests are up to. So Lau, who, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you will know uh, was uh, the previous co-host 
<laughs> How do you feel now? I've taken your place. <laughs> um, after several cold showers, I'm, I'm getting better. But um, <laughs> these days, I, I'm really just chilling and just uh, upskilling, learning a lot, reading more, uh, particularly fiction. And um, yeah, also just uh, deliberating whether I should get back into gaming. So um, yes. nothing on the scene for me just yet, but obviously whenever I can be invited on the show, I'll probably be back to share my views and always love being around the crew. So yeah. Always a pleasure to have you. And Annabelle, uh, you recently had um, the anniversary for Melanin Gamers. Um, how was that? It was really, really lovely, actually. We were, Merlin Gamers is one years old, so just, we're just starting. And it was um, we had it at the Microsoft store in Oxford Street, and that was a really nice event to let us use their place, especially to celebrate our birthday, to have cake in there. We were very careful there. But um, uh, it, was, it was nice. Everyone was like, happy birthday, all of this stuff, and just... How Melanie Games has grown in the past year. It's insane that it's just been a year since we got this idea and now it's just it's taken a life of its own. So I'm really proud of all the Melanie Gamers that helped me. Um, everyone who really worked with like you guys, Streamcast, everyone who's like, you know, just supported Melanie Gamers, Shay from Level Up Link Up. I just really appreciate um, all of the help that I've been given. Um, and all the help that the team gets given in regards to just, you know, growing learning gamers. So, yeah, I just want to say thanks for that. Awesome. We look forward to seeing what the next year brings for you guys. And did you say you have, like, a video or something coming out from it? Yeah, we do. We had um, we have a lot of footage from the day, actually. Um, things got a bit loud at the FIFA tournament, as you can imagine. Um, people were losing and stuff someone walked across the screen so there, there was that the bottle that happened but um we will be releasing that for like um very very shortly so maybe next week or so we'll be putting on our socials um also sort of a one year what we've been doing for the whole year sort of mock-up which will be going out as well so everyone sees so you haven't been talking about but there's actually been work going on behind the scenes great we'll make sure we share that when that gets posted uh we have some questions so we have two questions from kawaii prince mh on instagram uh, the first one being how much do you like this joker's character design um i love it i really like his um I've been seeing that when I first saw the poster for it, the look in Gracken Phoenix's eyes was just, I don't know, soulless. I loved that look. In his, I mean, I like Gracken Phoenix from Gladiator, so there's that. But just he looks like there's a smile on his face, but his eyes look dead and he looks insane. Like there's just madness brimming in his face. Mm. Um, the Weeknd recently cosplayed... Um, I think did he cosplay him? Not not cosplay. Dressed up as in Halloween, but not everything is a cosplay. But it was. I'm just like I'm really liking the look on. I like the old school vibe of it. I just I really really liked. It. I think it worked brilliantly. That scene on him dancing on the steps. Oh yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I love that was perfect. So much. <laughs> yeah. The way he looks, his hair. It was just like everything. Um, 
yeah. it was everything. It was just like I've seen just so, so many cosplayers like going to those steps and like Literally. recreating that scene. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I'm so glad I... they made it. Like, oh, it was just I was like the design for it was. It was just like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, DC. I was just like really. I really, everything. I really like the design in terms mm. of the. Uh, so it was unique in it in itself. Mm. So. Uh, with, without wanting to make a comparison to other jokers, it, was just, it stood out as its own design. It fit the time that the story was set in uh, within the 80s. And along the whole, uh, the idea of, of um, combining the, the comedy with the, the tragedy, you had this very bright suit yeah. in a story that was <laughs> very dark and a character <laughs> that was carrying out very dark actions but in this like very bright standout suit so it really, I, I felt worked on a lot of levels it really it worked it worked 100 percent for me just you know I, f- I feel like it hit my fear of clowns in some very uh <laughs> fearful places so yeah i i think the design was done well mm. Anyone yeah, else have- i just thought it looked cool man um <laughs> yeah just to be straight up i felt you know it really it, this was like the most suave joker that i think we've seen and and i should say i'm just looking at a picture of jack nickerson from the 1989 batman and he looks pretty good in that too but also colorful mm, yes <laughs> but um yeah i would say that uh joaquin has kind of stolen the show for this one um so yeah yeah i think the design's really good Awesome. Um, so the next question is mental illness being something that's touched upon in the film. What's your thoughts on that? Um, I think that it was done in a way that I would I would say respectfully. It it wasn't mocking sort of mental illness in a way that was just like, oh, he's just like this because we, I felt like they didn't make it something that oh, we have to feel sorry for him then because actually he's just mentally ill. So I like that they, they touched upon it, but they didn't make it sort of, oh, the joke is just crazy, as in mentally ill crazy, as opposed to he's a crazy killer, which is something completely separate. So I was really nervous when, well, not nervous, but I was curious as to how they were going to let that play out, because uh, he was on these like drugs and things like that, helping him control that. But they didn't make it about that in a way that was, didn't do justice to people who are actually suffering from men- mentally ill things. So I thought they did that really well. I thought that was carried out very well. But they touched upon it, but didn't make it at all. So mm. I agree in the fact that they didn't make, uh, like, it wasn't that he is a villain because of his mental illness. No. Mental ill, he has a mental illness. He is also a villain. Mm. Uh, they're separate he's he knows what he's doing it's not a case of you he had to be mentally ill to be this villain no if he wasn't mentally ill he'd still be this villain yeah they're two very separate parts um but also i feel like it touched on um like he is bullied a lot for his mental illness in this film um and i feel like you know part of it's like while I think the Joker would still have become the Joker without people bullying him about his mental illness. Um, it's like, maybe if someone had not just been so cruel <laughs> and someone had just shown 
a bit of kindness or understanding that he does have this illness and he's not doing it on purpose and not like publicly shame him on TV when it was not in his control. I thought that was really evil. Um, and I feel like it makes you question, like, are you treating someone badly when you shouldn't be? Are you maybe seeing life through your eyes and you're fully able to get to it through a certain part of life? And if you had something that stopped you from doing that, would you see things differently? Like just, just walk in someone else's feet or at least try to imagine how, how it could be. Um, but again, the Joker would still be the Joker, even if he didn't have this condition. So it's not, it's part of his character, but it's not the reason why he is that character. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a nice takeaway. Mm. Yeah, I feel like it's a melting pot, you know? Like, I feel the, well, putting that to the side, I, one of the things that really stood out to me was the way people treated him um and i thought it was interesting that you know uh maybe one of the few characters that treated him in a nice way um was a child i'm not sure if you remember or even well bruce wayne wasn't too friendly to be fair he was just kind of it was a bit naive if i'm being honest i mean who 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 lets a stranger put, <laughs> put their fingers he completely failed his mouth <laughs> Did he even say anything, or did he just kind no, of... No, he just, like, stared at him. He said his name, and that's it. That's not fair. He's a child being confronted by no, a madman at the gate. Because... We know what he's capable of. He There's no excuse. <laughs> of his massive mansion where I'm sure his parents have told him not to talk to strangers. <laughs> he was so deprived of outside interaction. He really is. Like, can he you would take him? fingers in his mouth. <laughs> and I just thought it was a bit much. But, I mean, putting that aside, it was the little... I think it was the child on the bus that was, you know, kind of welcoming him to him. But mm. everyone else really just kind of stigmatised him mm -hmm. because of his condition. I mean, when they saw him laughing, surely... All right, I, I can understand. Maybe you might think that he's actually joking, no pun intended. But, you know, he had the card. And, um, you know, people still treated him like, nah, get away. Yeah. You know, um, that bit really upset me actually because uh, mm. the child was like entertained, like he wasn't doing any harm. Um, and then the mum just kind of like added her her stigma attitude onto that child, and I was oh. like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah. and I think this is what happens with people. Um, as they relate to others that have mental illness. And I think, you know, it, it was a really um, interesting way of kind of portraying that. Um, and I agree. I don't think that um, the cause of his downfall was the mental illness. I think it would have factored into it in the, this respect that, it, 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 you know, we, we don't like silo our, our like physical ailments or or mental elements away from um, some of the things that we're going through. And in fact, like if, if you suffer from depression and then bad things happen to you, it, it will multiply the effect of that bad thing happening to you because it's harder to come out from it. Yeah. Um, and I say that from talking to people that 
have gone through some really difficult times. Um, and, and it might be that the things they're going through at the time are not like they're not going to end end things for them in terms of like, you know, they won't be able to bounce back. But it's just so much more difficult and yeah. no amount of talking gets them out of it. So when you look at that and you look at what he, the Joker went through or Arthur Fleck, um, it's like, whoa, like he's probably taking things in a very different way than most people should and he didn't have a real support system i think all he had was his mum, and then once that was removed it was just like well forget that so yeah i feel like it's a bit of a melting pot and we do have to be mindful that um people that do have mental illnesses just like people that don't need support and when we alienate them yeah it can be can be even more difficult for them that's true definitely Okay then. Um, yeah, so you can send your feedback to feedback at myamado.com or you can contact us on our social medias, which is at myamado on Twitter, at myamadatees on Instagram or at Tazzy on both. Cool. And that is a wrap. Um, big thank you to both Lau and Annabelle for joining us in a really good discussion around uh, Joker. No yeah. problem. Yeah, it was it was, it was such a delightful <laughs> conversation. Um, I, I, my spirits lifted. I, I just feel so great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, For a second, you had me. I was just like, yeah. oh, I'm glad. And I was like, oh, I'll pick up on the podcast. Like, which podcast were you listening to? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to kind of leave with some positive words, you know, because yeah. that might have been a bit heavy for a few people. We should <laughs> we should have that a disclaimer. Good. Be on yeah. top. That, for me, this yeah. was an amazing podcast. I loved it. I thought. Uh, it, it was Very good. good <laughs> Uh, so yeah our podcast as always is released first on patreon then 24 hours later on soundcloud spotify and what is fast becoming a running joke at some point we promise it will be on itunes working working we'll get there in the end yeah um but anyway you can support us uh if you like on patreon get the episode first plus um an opportunity to shape the show um, as we go into 2020. Um, as always, we make our own stories. Um, we are storytellers and you can check out our manga um, at myamada.com forward slash manga, including the pre-order of our next release, Hot Lunch Volume 1. And speaking of Hot Lunch, actually, before I say that, um, I should mention our gamepad event which the first one of 2020 is coming on the 11th of January. And in December, we'll be at the French Institute in West London for the French Play Party, which is powered by Gamepad on December 14th from 12 p.m. to 5 p.m. We're going to have links on social media for both of those things in the coming days uh, and weeks. So this is our penultimate episode of the first season of Story X Story. The plan is slash was to have a live event at Orbital Comics. But as I mentioned up top, uh, that plan has been put into some question. So uh, please follow us on social media. And once we figure out what's happening, we will let you know. But the intention is to have a live event to end the year and the first series of Story X Story. So please stay tuned for information on that. 
Our email address is feedback at myamada.com. You can send us your feedback on anything we've discussed today. And as always, check us out on Spotify and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com forward slash story x story. Thanks for joining us and see you next time. Bye.